This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Bloomberg Quick Takes Tim Stenovic on Bloomberg Radio. The fitness industry was not impacted equally during the pandemic. Those with in-person facilities, storefronts, gyms, man, they were hit pretty hard. Those who could pivot quickly, often to digital, fared a lot better. Some, including fitness equipment providers, think Peloton fared pretty well during the pandemic shutdown. Here with what's going on, though, in the world of Crunch Fitness is Ben Midgley. He is CEO and founding partner of Crunch Fitness Franchising, and he's on the phone in New Hampshire. Crunch Fitness Franchise. Let me slow down, Ben, so I can get it right. right. (laughs) Say it five times fast. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Carol? I'm doing well. Uh, You know, it's an interesting day where we're being told by the CDC we can take off our masks uh, inside if you've been fully vaccinated. What's going on in your world, and how does it compare to where we were a year ago? Well, uh, a year ago, yeah, we shut down around March 15th, all the clubs mm. across the country, as the whole industry shut down. And uh, it was extremely hard on us and our franchisees. We're primarily a franchise-based company. Uh, the owners had to really dig in and, and do a lot of things right to make it out the other end. But uh, a year ago, if you look at March from March, we actually, I believe, were the only major brand that actually increased our members over the last year. We were at 5.6% while our primary competitors were down anywhere from 12 to 35 percent. So even surprised us a little bit. But yeah. It was a fantastic outcome. And there's a lot of things they have to do right along the way. But, you know, we, we're coming out the other end a bit stronger than we thought we would. And we're, we're really excited about what, what's going to happen and that the surge is going to come. Well, I want to hear positive about positive surge going forward. I want to hear about the future. Why do you think you're up 5 percent? What did you do? What, what are members telling you? Why are they coming back? Yeah, so, you know, we look back at that a lot. And what was interesting is if you look at our existing member base, which I think is where most of the health clubs lost, we only had a 2% drop in our existing members, which was fantastic. And then when we reopened, I mean, basically all of them came back very quickly, and we think that's due to a a couple of things. One is the community feel you get in the clubs. I think a lot of people are just missing that interaction due to, you know, such an elongated shutdown. Mm-hmm. Um, our clubs, uh, we're in the low-price, high-value space, but we have a lot more in our clubs than most competitors do. You've got the weights, you've got group fitness, you've got the ride, you've got hit classes, personal training, you know, a, a relax and recovery, just a tremendous amount of things. So more reasons, I think, to come back to the club than some of the other clubs might offer. And then um, member trust was big. You know, the, the trust for our members that we were doing the right thing uh, for them was important. We stopped billing when we should, when some other brands didn't. I'm sure you saw that in the news. That That's what I wanted to know. Just remind us what you did, because I know that there's been places that I supported just because they were small businesses, and I didn't want to see them go to the downside, so I was still paying. But what did you guys do? Did your members, to keep the membership uh, intact, did you waive monthly fees? What did you do? Well, we bill every day in okay. our business. So if you joined on the you know the 12th, you get billed on the 12th. So as the days came up, which we closed around the 15th and the 16th, we began to stop billing people immediately after that. Now, there was a little bit of a rolling closure, you mm-hmm. know, depending on the different states. It didn't all happen within two days. It kind right. of rolled in. But then we sent out guidance to all the clubs and the franchisees. You know, they're independent business owners, but they're extremely receptive. And uh, from a company standpoint, the best and the right thing to do is to stop billing members immediately and then, you know, bill when you reopen. So right. that's what we did. And some other companies took a little bit of a gamble and, you know, continued to bill or waited till that next tap on the April 1st and just figured we'll try that. And that, that obviously stung a lot of people, and that was the wrong thing to do. All right. So interesting. But that explains, too, how you were able to kind of hold on to your membership, right, those numbers. 
Yeah, and I think the other aspect of that is, you know, the clubs took cleanliness really safely mm-hmm. and safety precautions extremely seriously. I, I believe we were... You mean as they reopened? As they reopened? Yeah, even... Yeah, exactly. And, and prior to that, we were, I believe, the first club to have our, our readiness plan out and to our franchisees. We had it out to them within three weeks of the closures. So that gave them a, a, a really good tool to work on to make sure they were pre- uh, prepped and prepared to open. And then, you know, the franchisees just did a great job with member communication, team training, and facility preparedness. So, um, you know, it's, it's all on their shoulders, all the credit. And then, of course, the PPP loans, the EIDL, all that sort of support, that really helps them get through it, too. Yeah, we talked to Jim Rowley of our Crunch, you know, and he talked, you know, I think we talked to him about the reopening plan, and it was pretty extensive, a lot of pages, if I recall. Yeah, it was, it was about 40 pages, and, and there was a, it was a you know, really big team effort with the franchisees. Jim led that process, of course. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it, it, was, it was important. You know, but it's one of those things as franchisees you probably look at and say, geez, this is a lot of writing. But when you look back a year later, you think, hey, this was great to have. <laughs> well, you have a playbook now in place. Uh, and I do wonder, are you guys planning for maybe another shutdown in the future. We're already talking with the medical community about the importance of booster shots and people are marking their calendars about, I got the two vaccines, but six months now from now, I've got to get a booster shot. Otherwise we could see, you know, a flare up. Are you guys planning for figuring out how to maybe deal with another shutdown anytime in the near future? And we've got about 30 seconds and we'll come yeah, back and talk sure. some well, more. Yeah, sure. we're not planning for it. I hope it doesn't happen. But we <laughs> you know what I mean. Playbook, right? We, yeah. we have it down. That's down for this type of a situation. I mean, the trick with business planning is you're contingency planning. How wide do you go? Uh, you know, you've got to look at natural disasters and all sorts of things. So we're trying to constantly expand our, uh, our uh, contingency planning and emergency planning for you know, whatever situation arises. Hey, let's get back to Ben Midgley, Chief Executive Officer, Founding Partner at Crunch Fitness Franchise, still with us on the phone from New Hampshire. So making your way back, um, are all the franchises coming back? Did anybody have to shut down permanently? Uh, over the last year, uh, including international, uh, we shut down a few clubs, single digits. Okay. Uh, some of them were uh, pre-planned. You know, locations were too small or had to move them or what have you. But I'd say I'd say probably only about four wow. out of you know, 350 were, were you know pandemic related. And then, so how are you thinking about? the reopening trade and the reopening of the economy. It's something I got to tell you, Ben, we are trying to assess day to day. A lot of CEOs and leaders aren't giving a lot of visibility still. I think we understand we're going to have a significant bounce back around now and maybe probably into the next quarter easily as things reopen and there's a lot of stimulus money out there. But how do you see it and are you confident to make some significant investments in terms of expansion at this point? Sure. For, for us, I think we're we're certainly on the more optimistic side, and you know we're not shy about that uh, for for a few reasons, uh, some not great, but uh, at least for our industry, one is we've had a, a loss of a lot of competitors, which I say that with a heavy heart because you never mm-hmm. want to see you know a lot of folks in the industry, which I've been in for thirty years, so I know a lot of these operators have have lost the businesses, but it's estimated that about seventeen percent of uh, the health clubs have closed in the industry, which actually during your break, it mentioned uh, the, the joint Senate sponsorship for the GYMS Act, which is fantastic. So mm-hmm. hopefully that, that will get traction and get passed and be able to provide support to, uh, support to industry operators. But there's a significant loss of competitors, which means there is more market share you know, to go around. Uh, real estate is softening. A lot mm-hmm. of tenants went out of business. So landlords have become much more open and uh, accommodating to bring in a twenty-five to 30,000-square-foot tenant uh, that can bring, you know, six, 7,000 people into the center. So that's worked out really well. 
Uh, for us, our brand's getting stronger. You know, as our footprint expands, we're getting more exposure, so uh, more people are, are looking for Crunch to come in, into the neighborhood. And uh, the momentum we carried throughout the, the pandemic has really helped us, right? If we opened about 40 clubs last year and we grew in membership, so for us, that's a really good sign as things open up and uh, people get back out. We've only got growth to go from here. So Equin... Uh- Equinox, I always say it wrong. Uh, you know them well, uh, a competitor, and they're talking about, you know, going public uh, via a SPAC. How does that potentially, and maybe some new capital being put into them, certainly a well-known chain, just like you guys, how does it maybe change the dynamics for you in the competitive landscape? I don't think it changes the competitive dynamic for us. Um, you know, we're, we're in the game for a while now. We've got a longer-term view. As you know, we had a transaction with TPG Growth just a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. I know you and Jim have talked about that several times. They're fantastic partners. They love the business, and, and they, like like we who've also invested in the business, are very focused on where we can take this. I think looking at Equinox, that's going to be interesting to watch, right? That's really the first time something like that could happen in our industry, if that works out. They had significant losses last year, and they're looking for a big valuation. So we're going to certainly keep an eye on that. Right. Uh, see what happens with that, but it, it won't change our game plan going forward. Okay, it won't change it in any ways. It's interesting. Well, uh, you know, it is fascinating too. The private equity world. My former co-host Jason Kelly has written about it in his his book Sweat Equity about you know private equity and their involvement in the fitness world. How are they really great partners for you guys? Well, I mean, every private equity firm is different. Uh, Fair. Right? So I, I can only speak to ones <laughs> we've had experience with, but our, our current partner, TPG Growth, is uh, extremely engaged. They did a tremendous amount of diligence on the business. I mean, they're a fantastic company, obviously part of the greater TPG that you know has a tremendous amount of business, business ownership at yeah. uh, you know, spotting trends and how businesses are going to perform in the future. So, um, you know, they did a lot of research on our space. Obviously, we've always been bullish on it as management. You know, we grew this company right. from... And no franchises 10 years ago to almost 1,300 sold, right? Yeah. And we're, we're approaching 2 million members here pretty quickly, so it's all worked out pretty well. And, you know, TPG growth brings a lot of sophistication into the business, perhaps that we didn't have before. So we're just starting to take advantage of that and see those changes come into motion, which I think is really going to, you know, accelerate our growth going forward. So one thing I'm curious about is what's next and the future. Uh, I'm someone who's done yoga for a long time, and my yoga instructor, who I've studied with for years, was able to do things digitally. And she's really carved out a niche that she really wasn't doing before. You know, she was traveling the world, you know, teaching courses and teaching in her in her hometown as well. Um, but what's interesting is I was on a class the other day and someone was in Japan, someone was you know, all over the country. And I do wonder about the digital role in the fitness business. How do you guys embrace it? Will it be important going forward or not as much? as the world reopens, in your view? Well, I think from that standpoint, in terms of the individual operators that you talked about, it's fantastic that they can expand their business, right, and and Mm -hmm. help getting people healthy, which is the goal of the industry. Anyway, it our goal is to help people get healthy. So the more people that are exercising, the better. In terms of digital, it is important. Uh, Obviously, there was a boom in it. Um, I think any brick-and-mortar business has to integrate that properly. Uh, Most of the companies in our industry, they certainly don't have the chops to go up against... uh, you know, Apple in that space or, or Peloton or, uh, you know, some of these others, Beachbody, that have been doing it for years. But you can certainly integrate really high-quality content into your offering to supplement what your members are doing. 
we've been in the space for a while with something called Crunch Live mm-hmm. and our workouts, which you guys have spoke about before, you know, jumped up to about 100,000 workouts a day. They've gone down a bit since then, but we've certainly uh, looked at this as something we need to reinvest in and make an even higher quality product because our members do appreciate that. That doesn't mean they're going to drop their health club membership and switch over, right. but it is, a, it is a supplement. And as far as the greater industry goes, you know, there's 60 million members of health clubs in the U.S., and Prior to this pandemic, the industry was growing at 3 to 4% for about 10 years. So as we come out of this, we do expect that that growth is going to continue to grow uh, at that rate, maybe even faster. And then one thing that a lot of people don't think about is about 3 to 50% of the people who work out at home or have a, um, you know, a, some sort of supplemental uh, exercise routine that they do also right. have health club membership. So it, it's not a really yeah. a either or you know, uh, option that they yeah. can complement each other and grow together. Well, listen, really great to check in with you, and I hope uh, we can do so again a little bit later in the year and see how things are going, especially uh, as the world, fingers crossed, masks off, uh, that uh, we we continue to reopen. Uh, Ben, take care. Stay safe. Ben Midgley, CEO and founding partner over at Crunch Fitness Franchising, uh, on the phone in New Hampshire. 